Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. Good morning. Breaking news. U.S. Special Forces carry out a risky raid inside Syria, targeting the top leader of ISIS. Officials saying he exploded a bomb as troops closed in, killing himself and members of his own family. President Biden about to address the nation. We'll have the very latest and take you live to the White House. Winter wallop. More than 100 million people now being impacted by that massive storm sweeping across the country. In the south, thick ice stoking fears of widespread power outages. In the Midwest, heavy snow causing accidents on the roads. More than 7,000 flights already canceled as the East Coast braces for what's to come. Al's tracking it all. Cracking down, President Biden visiting New York City today to address an alarming rise in violent crimes now gripping major cities from coast to coast. Straight ahead, his plan to keep people and police safe while also focusing on calls for police reform. Turmoil at CNN, growing fallout after a stunning announcement from network president Jeff Zucker stepping down for failing to disclose a consensual relationship with a colleague, the connection to the Chris Cuomo scandal, and inside the drama now embroiling the cable news giant. Paying tribute. I can't believe he's gone forever. I just can't. Candace Cameron Bure, Bob Saget's TV daughter on Full House, opening up for the first time since losing her friend of 35 years. You might think like, oh, he, he played your dad on TV, but Bob was so much more than that. Hoda with an emotional conversation just ahead. All that plus, let the games begin. Competition gets underway at the Winter Olympics as the world gears up for a dazzling opening ceremony. Today, Thursday, February 3rd, 2022. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Cutby. Live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to today at 7 a.m. on the West Coast, and we got a busy one. Yeah, we do. In fact, Hoda's going to join us in just a moment, but we'll also get to the excitement of the start of the Winter Olympics in just a moment. But first, let's get right to that breaking news. Yeah, big story breaking overseas. U.S. Special Forces conducted a large-scale counterterrorism raid in Syria overnight. It resulted in the death of the leader of the Islamic State terrorist group. In a statement, the president called it a successful mission that, quote, protects Americans and makes the world safer. The president is about to speak moments from now from the White House about that operation. We will bring it to you live, but let's begin our coverage this morning with NBC's Peter Alexander. Peter, good morning to you. Savannah, good morning to you. Let's detail what we now know about this operation where the ISIS leader Abu Ibrahim al-Hashimi al-Qureshi uh, was killed. U.S. officials saying that the ISIS leader killed himself exploding that bomb on the third floor of this safe house. It came as a special operations raid was beginning, a military operation operation uh, that we believe was at least weeks 
in the making. We are told by sources on the ground that a U.S. military translator used a loud speaker for approaching an hour trying to get civilians out of that safe house. We do believe, according to those on the ground, that there were at least 13 individuals who were killed here. But this, the White House says, the president says, was a success, that it ridded the world, rid the world of this top ISIS leader, the successor to Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, who killed himself in a not-too-dissimilar raid that took place three years ago. It comes as there have been concerns uh, about the resurgence of ISIS right now that was has recently overrun a prison in northeast Syria. Again, this assault taking place in northern Syria overnight. The president watching it all take place in real time from the Situation Room. And again, we will hear from him, Savannah, in just a matter of moments here at the White House. Back uh, to you. Peter, stand by there. I know you will. Let's turn to NBC News National Security Analyst Jeremy Bash, who joins us now. He was chief of staff at the Pentagon and also the CIA. And Jeremy, good morning. I mean, the, the current leader yes, of ISIS killed in this special operations um, raid that happened overnight. Tell us the significance in your mind. Well, he's the leader of ISIS, so he threatens U.S. forces in the region and is planning external operations against the United States homeland. But this was a very risky raid, Savannah, because for the past two years, we've been conducting fixed-wing raids on that target, meaning firing missiles from airplanes, from drones against ISIS targets. But this is the first time in almost two years that we put boots on the ground and a lot of them to go after a big ISIS target. This is a huge risk by the Biden administration. It appears to have paid off. What about the location, the significance of where, where this raid took place? Well, it's an ungoverned space. There isn't a local government there to go arrest somebody or to provide a security cordon. So when U.S. forces go into the region, they're operating unilaterally in a very dangerous corner of the world. And again, it required its pristine intelligence. It required a, a whole team of special operators to go down in there uh, using helicopters and to go after this target. This target appears to have blown himself up, a very dangerous situation. And we can just uh, th thank goodness that all U.S. forces have come home safe and sound. Reportedly, two dozen special forces were on the ground. The, a senior official is telling reporters that the target of this operation actually detonated a bomb that blew himself up as well as his family. Other watchdog groups and human rights groups in Syria say civilians were killed. You know, these are early moments. But what do you make of those reports? Well, again, when we can be very precise with our air power, we can go after a single person, say, traveling in a motorcade. You know, sometimes we can just take out the terrorists. But unfortunately, that person usually surrounds themselves with human shields, with women, children, innocents. And so sometimes our, our counterterrorism forces have to be very careful. It's requ it, it requires a lot of careful planning. And sometimes there are civil civilian casualties. Even in the bin Laden operation from a decade ago, you had a, a, a wife of one of the, the couriers there who was killed. You have people who are non-combatants. But again, if they're going to surround themselves uh, by living with the terrorists, then sometimes this happens. But again, this is a major victory for the United States. I think also, Savannah, it's also a big payoff for the Biden administration. They're surging troops into Europe. They're showing that the military power of the United States is still available to protect our national security. You know, a lot of people may have thought that the threat from ISIS had dissipated. There is concern that it's resurgent again in Syria. What's the lay of the land? Well, just last week, there was a major situation at a prison in which ISIS tried to free a number of prisoners, the Syrian Democratic Forces, who were sort of the local uh, local uh, forces there in that region. They quelled that prison break. And so ISIS is still a very dangerous, uh, capable organization. They're regenerating. They're trying to target U.S. forces. They are the leading Sunni terrorist 
organization in the world right now. And I think this over-the-horizon capability by the United States is designed to send a very clear message that we're going to go after them wherever they are. We're not just going to forget about the threat from ISIS or other terrorist organizations. And before I let you go, uh, there was a U.S. military helicopter that's experienced what, what the Pentagon is calling a maintenance issue and was detonated. That is something you're well familiar with as it happened on the bin Laden raid that you were deeply involved with. What is the significance of that? Well, it shows that the United States is not going to leave any military hardware behind for the terrorists to get their hands on. So, so sometimes an aircraft will fire a missile at our own de de debilitated helicopter. That's part and parcel of the planning, and that's what our special operations forces are so good at, Savannah. All right, Jeremy Bash, stand by. We are awaiting the remarks from the president. We will bring them to you live when they come. Thank you very much. First, sir, let's get to that monster winter storm that's stretching more than 2,000 miles from the southwest all the way to the northeast, and it's creating some hazardous conditions and making travel nearly impossible in some cities. And if you are planning to fly today, perhaps, you'd better call ahead. Thousands of flights have already been canceled. Al's tracking all of that for us. Mr. Roker, what say you? Well, here's the deal, guys. We've, we've got a really volatile situation. We've got a lot of moisture from the Gulf and the Atlantic. We've got extreme cold coming from the north. An ice storm along that boundary causing big problems. And what we're looking at now is a swath of ice and snow over 22,000 miles long. And you can see 108 million people from New Mexico all the way to New England under winter weather advisories, watches, warnings. Dallas Airport, DFW, is closed right now. They've shut things down as this snow, the freezing rain and snutch has changed over. Look at it. It's 23 in Dallas, 31 in Austin. Now look here. Shreveport, 37 degrees. Alexandria, 39. Other side of the front, Baton Rouge, 70 degrees. That's the big difference that we're seeing. And this pink line, that's the, the rain-snow line. And so it's going to be moving around as this system pushes east. Dallas-Fort Worth, a wintry mix. They could pick up another one to two inches of snow before this is all over. That's a big hub. Memphis, Tennessee, that's a huge FedEx. That's their main hub. Freezing rain and sleet, that's going to wreak havoc with uh, FedEx deliveries today. We're also looking at snow for St. Louis, another big airport hub, three to five more inches of snow. So if you're out west waiting for a flight, you may be waiting a long time. Cleveland, another big hub, heavy snow, eight to 12 inches total. The ice is going to be a major issue uh, over the next 24 hours from Dallas all the way to New England, upwards of three quarters of an inch, airport delays, hazardous travel, and power outages likely already thousands out of power right now in Dallas, one to two inches. And don't forget, we had that big uh, ice storm a year ago in February in Dallas. We're seeing more power outages again, four to eight inches of snow in Columbus today. As we move to the east, we're talking about nine to 14 inches in Bangor, three to five in Binghamton. And we've got severe weather later today down through the southeast, the lower Mississippi River Valley. Craig. All right. I will come back to you in just a few moments for that West Coast forecast. Meanwhile, President Biden heading to New York today to address an alarming spike in gun violence in major cities nationwide. The president's trip one day after yet another moving funeral for a young NYPD officer who was killed in the line of duty. 
NBC National Correspondent Gabe Gutierrez talked to New York's newly sworn in mayor ahead of the meeting with the president today. Gabe, good morning. Craig, good morning. Today's trip marks President Biden's most high profile effort yet to address an issue that the American public feels more needs to be done on. But the president is attempting to walk a fine line, balancing supporting law enforcement while also responding to calls for police reform. New numbers this week show the nation's most populated city battling a brutal crime wave. The NYPD's latest data shows crime is up 38% overall in New York City this year, with shootings up 32%, transit crime up 70%, and car thefts jumping a staggering 93%. In January, 25 police officers were shot nationwide, five in New York City alone, including two fatally. I love you, baby bro and I will always miss you. One of them, Officer Wilbert Mora, was laid to rest Wednesday. He was killed alongside his partner, Officer Jason Rivera, while responding to a domestic violence call. An ocean of officers shouldn't have Deline streets for the second time in five days to mourn the appalling loss of a 27-year-old son and brother. Mayor Eric Adams, a former police captain, pledging to make public safety his top priority. He's putting a major focus on stopping the flow of illegal guns into the city. We will not surrender our city to the violent few. It's a goal the mayor says he shares with President Biden, who arrives in New York today as just 24% of Americans say they're satisfied with the nation's policies to reduce or control crime. The Biden administration balancing the urgent need to address the growing violence with progressive calls for an overhaul of the nation's police departments. Does defunding the police work? No, it does not, and it's the wrong bumper sticker. In an interview with NBC Nightly News, Mayor Adams says there's a way to do both. His administration is rolling out new steps to combat gun violence, including using facial recognition technology to identify suspects and deploying more cops on the streets. I have too many police officers that are doing clerical duties. If you're inside, I need to know why you're inside. If you're not, I need you to put on that bulletproof vest and do the job that New York has hired you for to protect us against violent people. Still, a controversial topic here and across the country is the issue of bail reform. Critics, including many police unions, say it's allowing more criminals to remain on the streets, Craig. Gabe Gutierrez, live for us this morning. Gabe, thank you. 713 on the West Coast, and we do, we, we do await those remarks from President Biden on the U.S. raid in Syria. But let's turn now to the escalating crisis in Ukraine. The U.S. is sending thousands of troops to Eastern Europe, while Vladimir Putin adds to Russia's military presence along the Ukrainian border. NBC's chief White House correspondent Peter Alexander back with us with that story. <laughs> A lot uh, happening at the building behind yeah. you, Peter. Good morning. Yes, Savannah, that's right. The Pentagon says that those deployments send a strong signal to Vladimir Putin and to the world that the U.S. stands by NATO. The announcement intended to deter Russia from invading Ukraine and to defend those allies. For the White House, though, this is a delicate balance, trying to demonstrate resolve while still eyeing a diplomatic solution to end the standoff. This morning, new satellite images show Moscow's military buildup keeps accelerating, with new housing areas going up in recent days near Ukraine. Even as Vladimir Putin claims the U.S. is trying to goad Russia into war. We do not know if Russia has made a final decision to further invade Ukraine, but it clearly has that capability. It comes amid President Biden's new marching orders, now approving the deployment of 3,000 U.S. troops to Eastern Europe, the president saying it's consistent with what he told Putin from the start. 
As long as he's acting aggressively, we're going to make sure we reassure our NATO allies in Eastern Europe that we're there. The Pentagon announcing 1,000 troops now in Germany will head to Romania and most of the 2,000 others here in the U.S. will deploy to Poland. The majority of them members of the 82nd Airborne Division at Fort Bragg in North Carolina. These are not permanent moves. They are moves designed to respond to the current security environment. The Biden administration says it will not send any troops to Ukraine for combat operations, but has not ruled out using forces for evacuation efforts there. And the U.S. may still send additional troops to Europe, with 8,500 already on high alert. The Kremlin firing back, condemning the deployments as unfounded and destructive. NBC's Aaron McLaughlin is along the Ukraine-Belarus border. We've been speaking to Ukrainians in local villages who tell us they have relatives on either side of the border and they can't imagine war. Are you worried about war? No, 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 no. no this shopkeeper says. Are you afraid of the Russians? Everyone is worried, he says. Anything can happen with Russians who's not afraid of Russians. And overnight, President Biden spoke with his French counterpart, Emmanuel Macron, about the escalating tensions. Then later today, Vladimir Putin, he will head to Beijing to help reinforce his relationship with China's President Xi Jinping before attending the opening ceremony of the Winter Olympics there. Savannah. All right, Peter, stand by there. Thank you very much. All right, let's switch gears now because the aforementioned Winter Olympics are officially underway. The first events of the 2022 games are in the books as the world gears up for tomorrow's opening ceremony. And of course, a lot of precautions are in place to help try and keep athletes safe and to try and keep COVID at bay. NBC Stephanie Gosk joins us live from Beijing. Steph, good morning. Good morning, Craig. With the start of competition here, Beijing becomes the only city to host both the summer and winter games. But this will be a very different Olympics than the one in 2008. And for these athletes who bring the same passion and spirit, there looms the worry that COVID could rob them of a chance to compete at any moment. Figure skaters took to the ice in Beijing today for their first practice. The team event starts tomorrow. U.S. star Nathan Chen has redemption on his mind after a disappointing Olympics in South Korea. The 22-year-old comes to these games fresh off of winning the U.S. figure skating championship. His signature quads once again making him a gold medal favorite. While most athletes are practicing and getting used to new ice and new slopes, others are watching their Olympic dreams slip away because of COVID. U.S. speed skater Casey Dawson tested positive for COVID a few weeks ago, but he doesn't have enough consecutive negative tests to travel to China, missing an individual event. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate news for everyone, not just me, but the whole team I have over in Beijing right now. He hopes to travel in time for the team competition. Nearly 300 people connected to the games have tested positive for COVID in Beijing, dozens of them athletes, including U.S. bobsledder Ilana Myers-Taylor, who was supposed to be a flag bearer. Now she's hoping she clears testing in time for her events, telling today she's staying in shape. Yeah, I'm holding up really well. Um, I'm healthy. I'm asymptomatic. Hi, everybody. A Belgian um, skeleton racer posting this emotional video about the psychological toll of isolation. Obviously, this is very hard for me. She was later brought to the Olympic so. Village. Still, even with the challenges, the athletes are showing some good humor. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the village. Snowboarder Sean White giving the requisite buffet tour. And they got literally everything. Salad bar, we got Chinese cuisine, Asian cuisine. Special feature? 
I'm not sure what that is. For the rest of us, life inside the Olympic bubble takes some getting used to. Between the jet lag and all the COVID protocols, it could get kind of exhausting, but let's just say the Chinese have thought of absolutely everything. There are even cabins to take a power nap. But look at this. Once inside, the lights even turn off. Thankfully, the dutiful cameraman eventually woke me up. Don't I look refreshed, Craig? I mean, look, <laughs> after that sleep, seriously. <laughs> so the opening ceremony will officially launch the 2022 games tomorrow, right here in the Bird Nest Stadium behind me, where it was held back in 2008. But the show will be considerably different this time. Far fewer performers and only an hour and a half long because of the cold and COVID. Back to you guys. You do look refreshed and rested, <laughs> Stephanie Goss. Steph, thank you. See you soon. Uh, by the way, coverage of these Winter Olympics here on NBC kicking off tonight, including the start of figure skating. And you can catch the action starting at 8 p.m. Eastern. And Savannah? Oh, Nathan Chen tonight. I cannot wait That's to see how so he exciting. does. I know, figure skating starting. And then tomorrow, we've got the opening ceremony. You and Tariko. Yes. You're all ready. You've been practicing. Oh, yeah, we have. We've been rehearsing. <laughs> yeah. Don't ask me anything I was about it. Say no, spill the tea. I'm not going Nothing? to. No, the head right. of sports have put me in illusion. I'll never come back <laughs> if that happened. Um, but the opening ceremony is going to be great. I'll yeah, tell you that. The parade that. of athletes, the cauldron lighting, live. It starts 6 30 a.m tomorrow morning mm -hmm. if you want to watch it live then we've got a special edition of today following the opening ceremony at 9 7 a.m pacific and if you want to watch in prime time with the kids or whatever friday night we'll do that and too. don't forget guys we're opening our plaza up to a fully vaccinated crowd we want to celebrate put on your red white and blue come visit us head to our website sign up and let's cheer on team usa together all right, let's go back to Mr. Rogart. By the way, how's the weather going to be tomorrow? Uh, pretty wet. <laughs> so there's that. We got that going for us. Uh, windy conditions. Santa Ana winds still hanging out uh, down through Southern California. We're also looking at light snow, but very chilly conditions down through Texas on into Oklahoma. Severe storms firing up in the southeast today. And, of course, snowy, icy conditions stretching from Texas all the way to New England. And that's your latest weather. Guys? Mm -hmm. All right, Al, thank you very much. Straight ahead, inside the drama at CNN. After the abrupt resignation of its president, Jeff Zucker, what led to that sudden exit, its connection to the Governor Cuomo scandal, and what's next for the network? Plus, uh, our emotional conversation with Bob Saget's TV daughter, Candace Cameron Bure. She's opening up for the first time since his passing about their remarkable friendship and the person he was away from the cameras in that comedy stage. But first, this is Today on NBC. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash today just go to indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash today conditions apply need to hire you need indeed mm. okay 
They are playing our song. 7.30, Thursday morning, 3rd of February, 2022, otherwise known as the first day of the Come Winter on. Olympics. It started. And this is actually going to be our Olympic set. By the way, We're going to be out there for the games. It's warm. It's cozy. We're going to show you more in our next hour. We're going to get ready to christen it tomorrow after the live opening ceremony here on NBC, a special edition of today right there. We're going to have a plaza crowd. Come on. Let's it's going to be awesome. We're going to make s'mores. We are. And it's going to go on for two weeks. Did you so. make that up? Are we really making s'mores? No. Well, I don't know, but when I see a fire pit, I yeah. feel okay. it would be wrong. We're having Possibly illegal not to have s'mores. Don't you think? Uh, yeah, I think you might be right. Yeah. Let's get the to our uh, 730 headlines. Guys, all eyes on Wall Street this morning. After shares of Facebook's parent company plunged yesterday, Meta lost about 200 billion dollars of its overall stock value shares falling more than 22 percent in after hours trading the sell-off comes after the company's fourth quarter earnings fell short of expectations the social media giant also issued a dismal forecast for the first quarter of this year blaming in part apple's privacy changes inflation and supply chain issues. Former U.S. Senator Bob Dole was laid to rest with military honors in a private ceremony at Arlington National Cemetery yesterday. Senator Dole died on December 5th at the age of 98. The decorated World War II veteran served nearly 36 years in Congress and was the 1996 Republican nominee for president. Dole's widow, former North Carolina Senator Elizabeth Dole, was presented the U.S. flag, which was draped over her husband's casket. Mm. Australian maritime experts say they believe they have found the wreckage of one of the most important ships in history. This is a replica of the HMS Endeavour. It's a, it was a British Royal Navy ship commanded by Captain James Cook. It's believed that the ship was deliberately sunk by the British during the American Revolution. Archaeologists have been searching for the wreckage for decades, and now they say they think they have found it in Newport Harbor, Rhode Island. However, archaeologists in the United States say those findings are premature. We turn now to another major shakeup at CNN. The network's president, Jeff Zucker, abruptly resigning, he says, for failing to disclose a consensual relationship with a fellow CNN executive. NBC's Emily Akeda joins us now with more on that sudden exit and the fallout from it. Emily, good morning. Good morning. Jeff Zucker is one of the biggest names in the media industry, now in hot water for a relationship with a top colleague, Allison Gullist, who says the relationship changed during the pandemic. His surprising resignation sending shockwaves not only across the network but the entire industry. CNN's now former leader acknowledging he wishes his tenure ended differently. A towering figure in the news and media landscape for three decades, now out of a job. Jeff Zucker announcing his resignation from CNN, where he's been president since 2013. In a memo to CNN staff Wednesday, Zucker cited a failure to disclose a consensual relationship with my closest colleague as the reason for his departure. That colleague, CNN's chief marketing officer, Allison Gullist, saying in a statement of her own that she plans to stay with the network. The surprising exit catching his own colleagues off guard and some questioning the move. This is an incredible loss. These are two consenting adults who are both executives. Hmm. That, that they can't have a private relationship um, feels wrong. Before CNN, the pair starting their careers and climbing the ladder at NBC. Zucker as executive producer of the Today Show and president and CEO of NBC Universal at the head when NBC hired Donald Trump as the host of The Apprentice. The relationship later souring as the former president's dealings with the press and CNN turned contentious. 
Golis was an executive in the NBC communications department. She also briefly worked for former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo's office in 2012, but jumped to CNN shortly after Zucker took the reins. Zucker says their romantic relationship came to light as part of an independent investigation into Chris Cuomo, the recently ousted CNN primetime host. In the early days of the pandemic, Chris Cuomo famously had his brother on a number of Cuomo on Cuomo segments. Washington Post media critic and columnist Eric Wemple cited several sources saying Golist and Zucker were instrumental in securing the interviews, adding that a CNN spokesperson said that executives pressing public officials for interviews is standard practice. Zucker fired Cuomo after he admitted to helping advise his older brother on sexual harassment allegations that forced him to resign from the governor's office. Governor Cuomo has denied those allegations and no charges have been filed. According to the New York Times, Chris Cuomo is now in a legal battle with CNN over his firing, including the network's refusal to pay severance or the remainder of his multi-million dollar contract. Cuomo was fired in December and he is not going out quietly. Zucker's departure comes as CNN is gearing up to launch a streaming network and its parent company is about to partake in one of the nation's largest media mergers. For now, CNN will be run by three interim co-heads pulled from within. And I should note separately, NBC News did contact Chris Cuomo, who had no comment on Zucker's resignation. Craig. Emily E.K. to force this morning. Emily, thank you. Coming up next, Candace Cameron Bure sharing beautiful memories of her TV dad, Bob Saget, from the very first time they met to their final conversation. Our emotional and uplifting conversation coming up after this. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free. Shopify.com slash podcast free. Listen up, true crime fans. It's a big murder trial underway. This Dateline is launching a new podcast with Andrea Canning. Welcome to Dateline True Crime Weekly. We'll cover breaking crime news around I the mean, country. It is the twists, the turns, the With the best reporters on the case, NBC News analysts, and Dateline producers on the ground. Break it down for us. Just You'll just get fresh just... insights and behind-the-scenes scoops from crime scenes to courtrooms. That is bizarre. Stay in the, the know and up yes, to date. So tell us what he said. It Follow Dateline True Crime Weekly to get new episodes starting Thursday. Wherever you get your podcasts. We are back at 739 now with a touching new tribute to Bob Saget. Yeah, it's been less than a month since the beloved actor and comedian's sudden passing. And now for the first time, we're hearing from his TV daughter and also his dear friend of 35 years. Yeah, I had a chance to sit down for a candid and emotional conversation with Candace Cameron Bure. She played one of Bob's daughters on Full House. Now, through the years, they remained very close friends. And now she wants to share that with the world, the Bob Saget she knew and loved. You know, Candace, it's so hard to believe that you first met Bob Saget back when you were 10 years old. You're 45 now. It's been 35 years of knowing and loving Bob Saget. Do you remember the very first time you met him? I do. We were doing our pilot episode for Full House, and Bob is so tall. You know, he's 6'4", and I was 10 years old. But he kneeled down to me and got eye to eye with me and he said hi I'm Bob and 
I'm going to be your dad. I'm playing your dad. So I want you to feel comfortable and we're going to be friends. And um, he was just so warm and inviting. And it really kicked off an incredible 35 year friendship. Well, for you as a young actress, to be able to be yourself, you have to be able to share like what's on your mind, what's on your heart. Mm -hmm. Was he a place that you could go to do that? He was. It's one of the things that made Bob so special. He was so emotionally available all the time. And he was really the first person in my life as a man that I saw um, cry and and have those emotions right at the forefront of his conversations. If you were hurting, he would hurt with you. You would see the tears well up in his eyes. Bob is a remarkable person and I've never had a friendship like the one I've had with him. And that's what, why it makes it so hard. You said Bob is a remarkable person. You talk about him like he's here still. I can't believe he's gone forever. I just can't. I, my, my brain has not comprehended that yet. You know, I think for, for even TV viewers, again, you might think like, oh, he, he played your dad on TV, but Bob was so much more than that. I mean, really one of my closest friends for 35 years. So to, to think that um, he's not here and we're not going to have another joke or another hug or just another bit of ridiculousness in life is, is um, it's almost unbearable for me to think about. You know, it's funny because I don't think I've seen this in my lifetime with someone in Hollywood that is so universally loved and cared for. He was all that, wasn't he? He really was all that. He would drop anything for anyone and he just had a heart of gold. Mm -hmm. And on top of it, he made you laugh. Like he was just, it was the best combination of all different traits that you could imagine together. And that was Bob. Was he proud of your career? <laughs> Bob was so proud of my career. He really was. He was a big cheerleader for me. He was so incredibly supportive. Candace's deep faith is an important part of her life. And she'll be the first to say that not everyone understands that, but Bob did. You know, if people see Bob stand up it's not family-friendly stand-up. So that would always be a question, like, how, how can you guys be friends? And it's like, well, I grew up with Bob, so I understand his sense of humor. I, too, have a sense of humor. <laughs> but I can also separate that person that's on the stage making jokes to get the laugh and the real heart behind a person and their love and their friendship and their kindness. He would invite me to things all the time in the stand-up world, but then say, you're invited, but don't come. <laughs> don't come because I know you, this will like cross a line for you. You're not going to enjoy it. You're not going to laugh. So like, I love you. You can come if you want to, but don't come. You know, you remember the first time you met him. And I wonder what was the last communication you had with him? It was just a few, just two weeks before he passed, I'm actually gonna grab my, my phone. I'm so scared that I'm gonna pull up his text and then accidentally delete it one day. Like it scares me so much because I don't ever wanna lose this. We were gonna have dinner 
And we got into a little tiff and his flight was delayed. We ended up not having dinner, but in, in Bob fashion, the next day he wrote me like what would be pages long of a text. He was apologizing, saying he was cranky and he was just so, he was just so sorry. He said, oh, now I feel even worse. I was so wrong. You're like my favorite person on the earth. And I acted like Dolly. I was getting ready to take a late flight and I was annoyed. Dolly was his mom. And he said, you're one of the few that understands that if I act like Dolly, I'm not the best at my game that day, ha ha. And Bob went on and on and on in the text. And he said at the end, I love you more for the trouble you're giving me, if that's even possible. And I wrote back, I love you. I could never be mad at you. Roll my eyes at you, yes, but never mad. And I love that you being Dolly, that made me laugh out loud. I loved your mom. And he just wrote back, I loved you. My mom loved you too. What did you lose when he passed? Bob was available and there for everyone that he knew. But Bob, Bob was that person that no matter what happened, Bob would drop anything for you in a second, in a heartbeat. And you didn't even have to be his best friend for him to do that. I mean, that's how huge his heart was. There are very few friends in life like that. And that is the hardest part of the loss is just that, that friendship that's unconditional, that it's a lifetime, but I guess our lifetime is, you know, finished on earth <laughs> for now. I love you. I love you too. She also um, had this sweatshirt on and it said, love like Jesus, hug like Bob Saget. <laughs> and she was wearing it herself. And she ended up um, m kind of marketing it and giving all the proceeds to Scleroderma because oh. their love oh. was real and you can see it. It right? feels real, you yeah. know, not one of those like, oh, we talk every few months, no. we keep in touch, we're friendly. It's like, oh no, that and was a real deep friendship. 35 years of it. And by the way, we're gonna hear more from Candace in our fourth hour. She's gonna talk about his greatest legacy and some projects she's been working on that she's excited about. And also you can see more of our conversation tomorrow at 12 p.m. on our streaming channel today all day. It was interesting to hear her say that Bob Saget was the first man that she ever saw mm -hmm. cry yeah. as well. Yeah. Wide about open. how emotionally mm -hmm. available. It also sounds like Bob Saget texted like my mother does. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, those, those are yeah. long, long threads. Yeah. Yes. Long threads. Well, yeah. maybe he dictated. Yeah. That's what my mom does. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Dictating's the way to go. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Having gotten one of those hugs, I tell you, yeah. they were special. Oh. Uh, let's show you what we've got. A lot of windy conditions down through Southern California. The Santa Ana winds still hanging on. Frigid temperatures making their way from the plains all the way down into Texas, and that's part of the problem there. Severe storms ahead of this system down through the southeast. We could even see a couple of tornadoes as well, and wet weather moving into the northeast that will change over to some frozen precip. And that's your latest weather, hmm. guys. All right, Mr. Roker, when we come back, a remarkable milestone for the Royals. Yeah, this weekend marks 70 years since then Princess Elizabeth was proclaimed queen. Care Simmons will take us inside the celebrations planned for her platinum jubilee. But first, these messages. As we await JLo's arrival, ahead on Popstar, why Dolly Parton is remaking her classic 9 to 5 with help from Kelly Clarkson. What? Oh, cool. Coming up, your 8 o'clock hour.